Let's pray. So, Father, thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Father, that your word changes lives. And so, we just thank you, Lord, the Holy Spirit will just move through the words that are on the page and, and minister our hearts. And so, we just thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. So today, we're going to talk about some love. And I don't know what the real title of this thing is. We'll figure it out later. Um... But basically, we're going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and uh, whatever else comes to my mind as I'm teaching, <laughs> and John chapter 4, verse 1 through 2. <clears throat> um, you know, just to start this out, there is an enemy, man, and he likes to cause disputes between us and division yeah. and dissension. All these words are pretty much close to the same thing. Here's what happens, man. The devil wants to divide us, he wants to divide our families, divide our marriages, divide our friendships. Any, anytime, especially if you got a purpose in your life. If you don't have a purpose in your life, you probably won't have any problems. That's true. <laughs> if you don't have a purpose in your life, you probably won't have any problems. <laughs> I like that. Everybody wants to run away from problems. It's not about running away from problems, it's about overcoming problems. You know? It's good. Life's not about avoiding problems. It's about overcoming problems. A peacemaker doesn't run away from conflict. A peacemaker goes into conflict to resolve conflict. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be yeah. called the sons of God. The son of God did not run away from conflict. He went into conflict. See, to be a peacemaker doesn't mean you're trying to avoid pain. Or peacemaking doesn't mean you're trying to avoid fights. Peacemaking doesn't mean you're trying to avoid conflict. Peacemaking means that you're that you're going to go right into the middle of the conflict. Mm. Right in the middle of the conflict. If you don't go into the conflict, then you're a coward. Yeah. Okay? So, you cannot be a coward. You cannot be a coward and call yourself... A peacemaker. What a peacemaker is, the difference between a peacemaker and and someone else in the fight, is the peacemaker understands that the person he's coming to is not his enemy. Even if the other person is being hostile. Okay? It's good. They may be, what defines an enemy isn't the way you feel about them. What defines an enemy is whether they're hostile. If they're hostile towards you, then they're your enemy. But that doesn't mean that you don't love them. It doesn't mean that you don't try to help them. See, a peacemaker under, does not consider his enemies hostile enough to really be his enemy. Because a peacemaker doesn't care about his own doesn't care about his own skin. He doesn't care if he gets punched. He doesn't care if he gets beat or made fun of. A peacemaker isn't like that. A peacemaker doesn't care about himself. He cares about the other person. Yeah. Okay, that's what a peacemaker is. Blessed is the 
peacemakers, but they'll be called the sons of God. When Jesus came, he was the perfect peacemaker. <clears throat> he came to make peace with his enemies, the scripture says. For God demonstrated his own love toward us that while we were still sinners and while we were enemies of God, he demonstrated his own love for us and he died for us. Okay? So this is what a peacemaker does. Um, it's good. Can't be a coward and call yourself a peacemaker. People who run from their problems are cowards. People who run from their problems are not peacemakers. Okay? If you have a problem at one job and you quit that job to get away from your problems, you're going to go to the next problem, the next place, and the problem is going to still be there because the problem isn't anything except yourself. And then, just like Dwayne says, wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> Here's the deal. If you don't know how to resolve the conflict in your past life, or in your past job, or your past scenario, then the future scenario is destined to come to the same head of point. Okay? Same intersection. Whatever you want to call that. Okay? You're going to run into the same problem question is do you know how to handle it do you know how to overcome it do you know how to love through it do you know how to be victorious you know um make sense oh yeah so i tell this story quite often if it gets old sorry um when i was a little boy i was in sicily italy and i had uh this boy named stephen cooper he was my he was the street bully he just He'd always pick on me, throw stuff at me, you know, whatever. One time we got on our bikes and he chased me on his bike with a with a stick and I got on my bike for fear of my life and didn't even look both ways or rode straight across the street and ran right into the house, you know. I mean, I was afraid of him, you know. And he was Stephen Cooper. When I got into, uh, when we moved from Sicily, Italy, we moved from Sicily to Gulfport, Mississippi. And we had uh, a church there. It's going to Baptist Church. Brother Bill. And um, one of the kids there, his name was Justin. And he was picking on me and making fun of me. And I remember going to my dad and said, Dad, how come, uh, you know, it's not fair. I was in Sicily, and we had my bully Stephen Cooper, and we moved. And I thought when we moved here, it would be awesome. And here we are, I have another bully. <coughs> my dad just looked at me and said, Zach, it doesn't matter where you go. You're always going to have bullies. Yeah. And I never forgot that. I was in, like, second grade, first grade, you know. Zach, it doesn't matter where you go, you're always going to have bullies. And it stuck with me. Not, not that I was destined to be beat up on. It was just I was always going to have a bully. So how was, the question was no longer, oh, how can I get away from my bully? When I realized that there always was going to be a bully, now the question is, how do I handle my bully? You know? I'll beat mine up. Yeah. <laughs> So, my parents, you know, of course, I always, you know, grew up in church, so I didn't ever want to fight them, because I thought that was wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, well, if I go in there and fight them, you know, Jesus has turned the other cheek. So how can I fight this guy, you know? Now, my dad always, my dad had, one time he told me, you know, sometimes Zach, enough's enough. And, you know, he told me one of his, test, one of his stories about how he finally had enough of a bully, warned the bully, the bully didn't listen, so he smacked him out of his chair, right? And then that kid never messed with him anymore, right? Absolutely. So, <clears throat> I, so I, was, I wasn't trying to do that necessarily. I was trying to follow Jesus. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to beat somebody up or whatever. I wasn't interested in that, you know. Got into high school. Um, 
trying to deal with how to handle my bullies. I was always coached, well, just ignore your bully. You know, just ignore him. You can't ignore him. You can't ignore him. No. You know? <clears throat> so, it was either I retaliate or I ignore them. That was the only options I had. You know? Check this out. So, I got into high school. Well, I got through junior high. Oh, I was picked on so much. And you know what I did? In, in, in junior high, I conformed. Listen, the bullies in your life are designed to conform you. They're to beat you into submission, into worldliness. Yeah, that's what happens. This is what the world wants to do. This is what the devil cares about. When you have a calling on your life to make a difference in the world, the devil is going to try to beat you into submission into worldly concepts and worldly wow. ideas. That's good. That makes He's trying to conform you. So what I did, I, I conformed. The picking and stuff, picking on me, uh, lessened. Still there. I was picked on more than ever during that time of my life. And I dressed like everybody else. I talked like everybody else. I said the F word every other sentence. I was telling dirty jokes. And I was living this double life. You know, at home I was living like a Christian. Uh, or even in front of strangers, I wouldn't even talk like that. I would never, if I was, I was so convicted about my life and like what I knew to be right, that if I was talking to a complete stranger, I would not cuss and I would not tell dirty jokes and I would live, I would act like a Christian. The reason why was because I, I was so convicted about, um, about people go. I don't want people going to hell that I didn't want to be a bad witness to my, to my, to my, my strangers. So in junior high, my friends, my closest friends, I would talk just like them. But it was just to be like them. I hated it. I hated being like that. But when I was away from them, talking to strangers, I'd preach the gospel and get people saved. You know? But when I was with my friends, I would just talk like them. You know? And I was afraid to, to take a stand. I was a coward. <laughs> you know? Because, see, taking a stand... See, being a coward doesn't mean that you don't fight. Or it doesn't mean that you fight. Mm -hmm. if, if you're not a coward or you have bravery, it doesn't mean that you fight. It means that you do what is right, no matter what the cost. Yeah. So a true, true courage is not fighting. True courage is to do what is right, no matter what the cost. That is what courage. That's courage. It doesn't mean you have to fight. No. There comes a point. There's there's certain there's certain areas I believe you should fight. Okay. Um. God is the defender of the weak. Okay? Yeah. God fights when he is defending the weak. Okay? I think there are appropriate times to fight. I believe whenever you see someone else in a weak position and they're being ridiculed or picked on or taken advantage of, it is your duty to take a stand to protect them. Even if that means you fight. That is characteristic of God. Okay? That makes sense? Yeah. Um that is biblical. Does it make sense? Yeah. To so take a stand for the weak, to uphold the cause of the oppressed. Okay? That's when it's time to take a fight. Now, sometimes it doesn't mean you always have to resort to violence. It means that you have to take a stand sometimes and you are verbal. If that verbalness leads to conflict like that, well then you can't necessarily avoid Intervene. it. Huh? Intervene. Yeah. So, for instance, my children. As a father, I have a duty to protect my children and my wife. So in that moment, 
that would be a cause to fight mm -hmm. and even maybe kill somebody to protect my family. Now, if my life's on the line, that's a whole different story. If I'm out preaching the gospel and I'm being beat for my, my beliefs, it's not time to fight. See, when you fight, it's always for someone else. It's never for yourself. Yeah. If you fight for yourself, then you've gone down a very dark road. Make sense? Yeah. See, Jesus... See, what happens is, it's, it's the... Courage is not defined by your willingness to fight. Courage is defined by your willingness to be beat up for what's right. Make sense? Yeah. True courage says... I will take the hit. I will take the beating. I will get hurt for someone else or for what is right to stand up for God. Does it make sense? Courage isn't being able to put your dukes up. Does it make sense? All right, so when I got into into high school, there was two moments where I had these guys picking on me and I ended up uh, retaliating in the wrong way. And, and I know it was wrong because the results just weren't good. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know. It's, it's a feeling of yeah, I, I blacked out on one guy. don't even remember what happened. I mean, I remember some of it, but my point is, that's not walking in the Spirit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and that relationship never really ever mended, you know what I'm saying? Uh, now, one of the times, you know, I stood up to this guy, and, you know, I took a stand or whatever, and shoved him or whatever, and uh, that guy, it was just such an awkward relationship afterwards, because he was just sucking up to me all the time. I'm like, get away. Like, I'm not interested in this. I just want to be friends. Like, I'd rather, you know? All right, so there was this other guy. This one guy, his name was Josh. And he was, like, my arch enemy for three years. Always picking on me. Always making fun of me. Always whatever, you know? And this guy was different. I, I mean, he was never violent towards me, but he would always say things. And I never knew how to re respond. I, I tried to ignore him. That didn't work. I tried to respond and retaliate and say negative things back to him that just escalated things then there came a point where I, the third year i was just like man I, people would come to me and talk bad about him to try to get me to talk bad about him you know and i and i didn't notice it at first until i realized man these people are all friends with him they're friends with me too but they're friends with him and everything i'm saying is getting back to him and i finally said look i don't want to be enemies with josh i want to be friends you know i'm not trying to have problems you know well i didn't know what to do i started praying for him uh i said which was funny because that's what the bible says to do so if you go over here to luke chapter six um i put my finger right here <coughs> luke chapter six verse 27 this will test your christianity right here Whoa. luke chapter six verse 27 and on it says what right here, but I say to you, who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. Mm. To, one, to the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. 
But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Yeah. Wow. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For Jesus just pretty much declared to you what it means to be a son of God. Everything he's reading right now is the bare bones basic Christianity 101. How do you know you're a Christian? Do you love your enemies? Do you pray for your, those who persecute you? Do you lend without expecting anything back? And then you will be called sons of the Most High. You know, there is one condition, man. Only one condition. The scripture is very clear about it. And it's kind of hard to talk about because you don't want to talk about works-based faith. But this is clear in the scripture. If you want the word of God to abide in you, if you want him to abide in you, you must love God and you must love people. Oh, yeah. And you must love God the way that you must love people the way God loves people. And it's really strange, but this is it comes back down to forgiveness, you know. If you don't forgive them, my heavenly Father will not forgive you. These are conditions in the scripture that we don't talk about it very often. But they're in it they 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 actually show up more often than the sinner's prayer. <laughs> That's a trick question. Huh? <laughs> the sinner's prayer is not in the Bible. <coughs> <coughs> Romans chapter 10 says, confess with your mouth that he is Lord and you'll be saved. And that's about all it says. But that's not what it is. Jesus says, if, how do you call me Lord, but you don't do what I tell you to do? Matthew chapter 7 says, not everyone who says to me on that day, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So while Lord is the entryway to becoming, calling him Lord is the entryway into salvation, it is not. The house, man. It's just the door to the house. The house is, would you know what you're getting yourself into when you call him Lord? When you call Jesus Lord, you're saying you're going to follow him. And Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, but you do not do what I tell you to do? You cannot claim to be following Jesus as Lord and not do what he tells you to do. You are false. That make sense? Oh, yeah. If you call him Lord, but you don't do the will of my father, it says in Matthew chapter 7. Only those who do the will of my Father. And many will say to me on that day, do we not cast out demons and perform miracles and healings and prophesy in your name? And I will tell them, depart from me. I never knew you. It's deeper. So many people pursue the gifts. I love the gifts. Jesus says, I mean, 1 Corinthians says it. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. But the first thing he said was, pursue love. And earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Why do we have the spiritual gifts? To help us convey love even more. Mm -hmm. If we just have the gift but we don't have love, there's no point. Absolutely no point. So I remember uh, when I first got into spiritual gifts and stuff. You know, I was real, you know, didn't know about it. And the guy told me, look, the only reason why we have these spiritual gifts is so we can communicate the gospel more effectively. So we can get more people saved. When he said that to me, he hooked me. I was like, all right. Let's do it. Because that's all I cared about was sharing the gospel. You know? Letting people know how much God loved them. And if the spiritual gifts got in the way of that, I don't want it. I don't want nothing of it. You know? And I think sometimes they do. People focus so much on the hype, but they forget the gospel. You know? we got to be sharing the gospel, man. People are dying and going to hell. Yeah. You know, the day I picked that lady up, took her to, got her some breakfast and took her home. 
And I almost let her get out, you know. First, and I thought, what the heck am I doing, man? I may never see this woman again. She may get out and get hit by a semi-truck and tomorrow and go straight to hell simply because I don't want to open my mouth right now. You know? That'd be like hating her. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I think we, we, we're like, well, we shouldn't have agenda Christianity. We do have an agenda. The, the agenda is to get as many people saved as possible. That is the agenda. The only reason why you breathe. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if we are not sharing the gospel, then we've wasted our life. If we're not sharing the gospel every day, we waste our life. We wasted one more day. I'm not trying to be condemning. You know, every day, man, it's about sharing the gospel. <clears throat> Jesus is awesome. Okay, where are we at? Luke chapter 6. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful. Oh, 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 man. And the evil. How many times would you say, well... I, he's just so ungrateful. I'm, I'm not even going to do nothing for him. He's so ungrateful. I know I have. <laughs> that got me. That got me just now. You know, now, the reason why I've said it in the past was because when, when we're ungrateful and we're complaining and grumbling and complaining, it stops the blessing. Okay? It does. The Old Testament is very clear about that. You know, if we grumble and complain, we literally quench the blessing of God in our life, just like kinking a hose. Okay? But, it doesn't mean that the water ever got turned off. Make sense? We kink the hose when we're ungrateful. It doesn't mean that God doesn't stop keeping on trying to pour his love on us. Does that make sense? We might not be able to receive it. We may have put the cap on our lid, on our cup, but the water's still flowing. Does that make sense? Ungratefulness kinks it on our end, not on God's end. Does it make sense? <clears throat> it closes it off on my end, but not on God's end. God is still merciful towards those and still loving towards those who reject him. You see? Still works his will. He's still handing it out to him. You get it? It's, 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 it's weird to explain, but everybody thinks, well, God's against me. No, you're against God. God is not against you. He's coming for you. He's pouring out his love to you, and you, in your ungratefulness, have shut the valve off, and you're not receiving anything from him because you shut it off because of your ungrateful heart. God is still trying to pour his love on you, but you are rejecting it. So it feels like he hates you. Feelings lie to us all the time. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. This is really good, man. <clears throat> Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. See these these uh, conditions. Yeah. Well, I thought it did grace, grace. I thought you didn't. There's conditions. There are some conditions here. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to talk about when you grow up in hyper grace message. Hyper grace. I grew up hyper grace. I mean, they they might not have called it hyper grace, but I did. I mean, I do when I think about it. Yeah. It really is leaning on hyper grace message. You know. Grace is. We've explained this before, but it's gonna explain it again. Okay, listen. Hyper grace. Let, let, let me. I gotta explain this because I don't know all the all the people that are listening. We're gonna come back to First Corinthians chapter thirteen eventually. <clears throat> okay, so listen. 
Okay, so we talked about grace and, and, and cheap grace and how grace is unmerited. You can't earn it, right? This is not talking about what you can earn. This is talking about what you have access to, okay? It's talking about being real, you know? Um, a real Christian is someone who understands how much they've been forgiven. So giving someone else forgiveness is not that hard. When you understand how much you've been forgiven, the moment you forgot how much you came, where you came from, the moment you forgot where you came from, the moment you forgot how much you were forgiven is the moment you have problems forgiving. But if you will just stay humble, see, these conditions, God does not give grace to prideful people. God resists the proud, right? But he gives grace to the humble. So when we can't forgive, that means we've forgotten. We've forgotten what, how much we've been forgiven. We've forgotten our own forgiveness. In other words, we forgot where we came from. We start to lose our humility here. We become prideful. We become uh, self-righteous. And the question is, sometimes, were we ever saved? Or is there a problem in our soul? Because you have a spirit, soul, and body. The moment you start forgetting this, it, you might have received it in your spirit. You may be born again. But in your soul, you're not receiving salvation for your soul. Salvation for your spirit means born again, set free. Okay? Done deal. Soul is renewal. This is your mind being renewed. So when we receive, when we receive Christ here, we get born again. When we submit to Christ daily, we get renewed in our mind. And then our bodies are resurrected. Make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay, so if we can't forgive, then there's probably there may be a problem right here. Because we don't really know where we came from. Yeah. We don't we, this might not have ever happened. If this did happen, how could you not forgive? You see? That's in my brain. I'm thinking, if you were forgiven by God and you realize how dirty of a wretch you were, how in the world could you not forgive somebody else? See, unless you were saved here, and this part right here needs to be renewed. You see, either way, there's a problem with your salvation, either in your spirit realm or in your soul. Make sense? One of them, you still got to work it out. Make sense? All right, spirit, soul, body. All right, so check this out. It says, if you condemn, we're talking about a matter of identity here. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put in your lap. For the, with the measure you use it, will be measured back to you. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he's fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? So this goes right back to, do you not remember where you came from? <laughs> do you not remember where you came from? Because he's not actually talking, he might not even be talking to save people right here, you see? Maybe talking to people that are lost, that need to get the log out of their eye so that they can, I mean, they can't be saved. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's talking to, he's on the Sermon on the Mount. This is, this is the Sermon on the Mount, I believe. Or maybe a parallel. Matthew 5 is definitely the, the Sermon on the Mount. The Mount. I don't know if this is. This may be 
glimpses and pieces of it. Um, this is good. You hypocrite. First take out the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly. See, here's the thing. When we get the log out of our own eye, when we realize how much I have been forgiven, when you realize how much you have been forgiven, that's when the log comes out of your eye and now you can see clearly. And you can see the person who's doing wrong to you and see them in the love of Christ. Hey man, I already got this thing out of my eye. Let me help you. I can help you. Here's the, here's the real issue. It's not even about fixing somebody's behavior. This context is actually talking about I feel, I feel like it's talking about salvation. Not just a behavior problem. I think you can do it go both ways. But mainly I think it has to do with a matter of identity. Do I know who I am in Christ now that I've received salvation? When we when we go to Christ, man, we stay humble. That's that's the thing. You, you stay humble. And it's it's because you walk in humility all the time, knowing how much he really loves you, man. This is good stuff. Being peacemakers. I love this one. Lending and not expecting anything in return. We're talking about the cross right now, too. See, when G how many people did Jesus die for that are going to reject him anyway? So he lent to them and is not expecting anything in return. He died for so many people that will never accept him. But he still gave it to him anyway. Still gave it to him anyway. And this is our life. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Alright, so we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Alright, so right here it says, Love is patient. Love is kind. Alright, so I'm going to break down this thing for you. Patient means macro... The Greek word means macrothumia. Macrothumia. It's like big thermometer, okay? It means it has a high boiling point. It means that you can take a lot, all right? Kindness has to do with generosity. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's good stuff right now. <clears throat> Love is patient. When you talk about how it's the Greek word uh, that means macrothumia, which is big thermometer. Love is patient. It has a high boiling point. In other words... It can take a lot. Love can take a lot. That's love, okay? That's patient. Kindness has to do with generosity. Oh, he's so you're so kind. You say that to somebody who went out of their way to do something for you. Generosity. So God so love can take a lot. Love can give a lot. Okay? Love can take a lot. Love can give a lot. Okay? Give and take. Well, take a lot of pain, give a lot of no pain. You see? You see what I'm saying? That's really what it is. Taking a lot of, you know, uncomfortableness. Yeah. And giving a lot of comfort. Yeah. See? You can take a lot of bad and you can give a lot of good. That's what love is. Love does not envy or boast. I love this. These are parallel. These are cool. Look at this. Envy or boast. Love basically doesn't want other people's stuff and it doesn't rub in other people's face the stuff that it's got. Okay? <laughs> it does not want other people's things. It doesn't want what somebody else has. See, love is secure. 
and it's and who it is. If I really have love from the Father, because that's how this love works. You can't have this love unless it's been given by given to you by the Father. I I I don't envy what anybody else has simply because I know how much I do have. I just don't boast about it. See, but then I can give them what I have. Yeah. See, why does why does why does it not boast? Because it's generous. <laughs> I can't boast about something I don't have because I gave it all away. Because there ain't nothing I haven't offered to you that I don't that I ain't nothing I have that I haven't offered to you. This is love. It's good stuff. I don't need what anybody else has. What I have is enough. His name is Jesus. Love is not arrogant or rude. Again, what is arrogance? It means that you can't listen to other people. You know too much. You know what I'm saying? So, it can't listen. So, what love does do is it values other people, others' opinions. And it's not rude. It doesn't. Inter- it doesn't inter- in, uh, interrupt. Mm-hmm. See, so love is not arrogant in the fact that it doesn't. This has this has to, to do with not listening. This has to do with interrupting. Okay, so I'm trying to give you the opposite here. Love. Um, if you're arrogant, then you don't listen. If you're rude, then you interrupt. Why does it interrupt? Because it's patient. It's <laughs> good stuff. Alright, it says right here. Love does not insist on its own way. It's not self-seeking. Which wraps all that up pretty much. Love does not insist on its own way. Watch this. And then it starts over on this other little parallel. It is not irritable. Ir- oh, I'm misspelling that. Irritable. Or resentful. What this means is, it's not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Okay? So, if love is not easily angered, the reason why it's not easily angered is because it keeps no record of wrongs. Sorry, it's hard. Easily angered. Irritable, easily angered. So, love is not irritable or easily angered. It's not resentful because it keeps no record of wrongs. Okay? Resent means that you hold something against somebody. Okay? Well, but love, it doesn't get angry fast. So here's the thing. If you're doing something and you're with somebody and you get angry, snap real fast. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever just woken up in the morning and somebody comes to you and then immediately, bam, you're angry? You know? Something's wrong with your love. Something's wrong with your love. Thank you for tuning in to the Bold as a Lion Ministries podcast. If you like that teaching and you want more, go to our website at boldasalionministries.com. At the top of that page, you'll see a button that says Teaching and Discipleship. Click on that. We've got free MP3s. we got free PDFs. Download it as much of it as you want. Also, if you like what we're doing here and you want to see more, you want to hear more, consider becoming a monthly sponsor. Right now, we're running a campaign called Project 500, okay? And this is geared towards three different aspects of our ministry. The first one is the ministry planting and also the online media and outreach system. Uh, Like what you're listening to right now, all of the funding that goes into that will go into uh, helping us with uh, media and also uh, helping us with planting new ministries. 
Okay, the next one is for uh, the Barracks Discipleship and Recovery House. We have a drug recovery house, so if um, that's, a, that's a thing that's in your heart, uh, consider donating to that. Our third thing is our international missions organization called Ixthus International. It's a Greek word. It means fish because the Lord called us to go out and be fishers of men. So we're focused on those three things right now, and right now we're trying to raise 500 sponsors at $20 or more a month. If you can't give that much, maybe you can just consider making a one-time donation every little bit helps go to the website find what it is that you're passionate about that can help us help you help the world thank you so much and god bless